hello. Welcome to the It Is What It Is podcast, powered by the Riot Report, which is powered by Ortho Carolina. We're happy that you're joining us today, uh, but we would enjoy that you would check out some of our podcast network mates. Check out the Keep Pound Den podcast. They're live after every game and then once during the week. Check out the Roaring Riot podcast. Check out One Day Contract. I'm also on that show, so if you don't want to hear me, I don't blame you. You probably don't want to listen to that one. Uh, sitting right to my right, as always, 90 degrees for me, my good friend, Roaring Riot ringleader, Zach Luttrell. Zach, how are you? Hey, man, I feel good. It's Tuesday. Uh, you know, it always takes me that full day now at my age to recover after a game day, right? <laughs> so, I mean, I, it's... You're sore. You got to sleep yeah, in a little bit. Get in the ice tub, you yep. know, relax a little bit, play with the kids. But uh, Tuesday's here and, you know, the 24-hour rolls up. I'm ready for uh, Atlanta and uh, let's do this, man. Well, I still want to talk about Dallas. Oh, yeah, I mean, yeah. come on. It's well, not I mean, every I'm, day you beat America's team. This is true. We're going to bring not, that it's up. It's not every too. year we get a uh, home game season opener either, right? Yeah, and they had the shield out at midfield, like always. Very exciting. I loved it. Joining us today, let's stop talking because nobody wants to hear us. <laughs> Nobody's really interested. Joining us today, somebody that we're excited to have uh, Super Bowl champion which we were probably not going to talk about. <laughs> I wasn't pro, sure if I should former clap pro or bowler, that one, man. <laughs> running back for the Carolina Panthers, number 20 in your program, and number one in your heart, C.J. Anderson is here. Thank you so right. much for joining <laughs> us, C.J. Thanks for having me. No, my pleasure. Our pleasure. Our pleasure. C.J., so let's, let's jump right into it. One of the things that we wanted to talk about, I know we always talk about football, but I want to start with something that's – that's a little bit different from football. You're you were you're very involved in charity, and um, you were talking earlier about the foundation about the uh, about the Dreams Never Die Foundation, and the the whole point of that is to provide inner city low income youth the resources to to reach their maximum potential. What does that mean? That's kind of an over overall view, but what does that mean to you? Oh, uh, we like to keep it vague. Just it's interesting, you know. It gets people to go. What does that mean, you know? And um, pretty much it's, it's where I grew up, uh, how I grew up in the neighborhood uh, with gangs and, and drugs and violence and things. And um, a single-parent home, you know, my mom raised three boys with no father. Um, you know, all we know and all the kids that I know back home who've been through a bunch of things that I've been through or worse, um, all we know is, you know, we know the, the football player, the basketball player, the drug dealer, or the rapper. So, um, you know. Just those, those are the role model options. Yeah, those are role model options in, in, in you know, in low-income cities. Mm-hmm. You know, that's everywhere. You know, even out here in West Charlotte, from what I've heard, and I'm trying to do some more and trying to get involved out here, bring my foundation out this way, like I did in Denver. But um, you know, we just how we look at it is, uh, we can't change the circumstances how the kid grew up, but we can change the perspective. And you know, I had a guy named Fillmore Graham. I think guidance and mentorship is huge. And I had a guy named Fillmore Graham who kind of change my perspective on what I can be now I always want to play football and that works but if things don't work out um, some of those kids reverse back to the streets or what they see in their household from you know cousin uncle father if they're in their life etc so mm-hmm. um, you know our goal is to provide them with, with, with so many different resources um, you can have your podcast that can be successful you know that 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 can make you a lot of money in this world and um, you can also be painter cook um, technician uh, you can work with Google Microsoft um, you know, Facebook, some of the partnerships that we have, um, you know, you can clean, I mean, not clean, but you can cook, you can clean too, but you can cook, you can paint. Uh, we got painting classes and things of that nature going on at, uh, the, in this facility we're trying to build. And, um, you know, the goal is to have so many resources um, potentially possible for uh, kids back home in my community in Vallejo, California uh, to be successful. So if they don't make it you know, in the sports or entertainment world, mm-hmm. um, they have something else that they can fall on, but they can still make a lot of money and still live a, you know, a pretty decent life. Right? Yeah. Well, so you, you talked about the facility. Is that in the process of being built? Yeah. I mean, I know I looked online and looked at the, the foundation site. I mean, there's two floors. Looks like it's just got all kinds of cool recreational yeah, so it's gonna be, and educational. It's going to be 60,000 square feet. Um, you know, we got to approve uh, sometime late August. Can't remember the exact date. Um, for two locations. One location is 12 acres, and we can actually – developing and making like a strip mall wow so that's something that you know that's where the business side of myself try to come in and you know try to get wing stops and buffalo wild wings and you know some other partnerships to come on that land to be with our facility and then there's another spot um that's uh that's right off the the old naval base 
uh, Mare Island in Vallejo, California. Uh, it's about six acres. Mm -hmm. So that would be good enough for us to just build the building in the football fields and soccer fields we want around. And um, as you said, you know, inside of it uh, will be a 20,000-square-foot building strictly for academics and technology. And that's where your Googles, YouTubes, Twitch, um, Harvard, Stanford, UC Berkeley, UC Davis, Sac State, um, Humboldt State. That's where all these, uh, you know, Regis University down in Denver um, that's where all these uh, and MIT, but that's where all these educational pieces come in. And you know, I I, I did a lot this off season, um, building a pipeline with these schools to to get our kids into Harvard and get our kids into UC Berkeley and things like that. You know, if they can uphold anywhere between a 3.2 and a 3.5 GPA, and of course, lay us at the foundation. Um, you know, getting a partnership with the schools will get them a partial scholarship, mm -hmm. and then hopefully we raise enough money in the foundation to finish off the scholarship for these kids. Um. Yeah. So um, you said too. Sorry, you said too how uh, you know when you when you went to Denver that you started doing some work in there. Like, what was the process of of you know building the foundation in Denver in that community and you know, identifying some of the needs there and just trying to make a footprint? That's tough. I mean, um, you know, and this is no disrespect to to any PR, um, whether that's Denver or Carolina. It's just tough because some 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 places, you know, Carolina might be a little different from my scene from Greg and T uh, and TD. But um, in some places in Denver, we went to some communities. Um, some was they need and some didn't you really need. So um, I've been to a bunch of schools mm -hmm. where it's like, why am I talking at this school on a Tuesday on my day off where these kids seem like they have everything going on, right. good parent homes. You know, the resources for these kids are a lot better than the resources I had as a kid. And um, You know, it, it took me and my team to, 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 to search and seek Denver and, and get to the, the urban community and the inner city mm -hmm. of the community in Denver. And um, we kind of took some things there and, uh, you know, we're putting on some events and, um, you know, we're still trying to work on putting on an event back there. We don't want to just, you know, I was in Denver for five seasons, so I don't want to yeah. leave and act like sure. I don't care about what, what, what I was doing. So, you know, we're still trying to uh, work up and put on good events. Um, we did a bunch of bowling events out there mm -hmm. in Colorado, which was fun. And I'll probably transfer that out here if I can find a bowling alley or that I can go to where no one bothers me as much because <laughs> yeah. I enjoy bowling. But, um, you know, that's 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 the tough part. And I guess out here just listening to Greg and listening to TD and Mike Adams and just seeing, you know, how they've been doing and growing their foundation, even when I was on the outside looking in, how they've been growing their foundations and their community work out here in inner city youth. Um, just try to incorporate that, you know, as much as I can. Yeah, and it's one of the things, one of the reasons we want to talk about this first is because a lot of people – they they just focus they they view you guys as football players and not a, and fantasy football guys on a stat sheet mm -hmm. as opposed to real people that are trying to make an impact on the community and I think that's so important and I th one of the things that I really um, valued and I thought that it was you know I was so impressed by when I was doing research on you is that you know you do try to make an impact not just in your hometown but in Denver and then already in Charlotte you know you're trying to trying to kind of make that to spread that spread that wealth spread that love from just you know, to give back. And that's, uh, I mean, that's, that to me is, is hugely impressive. And, you know, you mentioned the way that you grew up and, um, you know, I don't know if you, if you want to share, but that would be, uh, just, I, I would be interested in kind of how, what it was like growing up in, in California for you. So, uh, single parent home, you know, me and my brothers, my mom and my grandma, um, and my uncle, and I, all in one house. You Are know, you the so oldest or the youngest? I'm the middle child. All right. Okay. <laughs> I'm the kid with no attention. <laughs> uh, and now I want all the attention. But, nah, um, you know, single-parent home, live with them. My uncle uh, heavily sold drugs, and then he eventually got on them. But in the mix, you know, I remember being in high school. or well, uh, I think the first – not high school, but the first one started when I was, like, 10. Um, you know, had a first drug raid in our house, you know, that – uh, my mom corrected me my terms now. Um, you know, I used to tell people people it was the FBI because I'm a kid. I'm 10 years old. I don't know what it is. But right. it was a task force. Same thing, right? So um, drug raid, I remember, uh, you know, at, at 10 years old, 3 in the morning, they kicked the door down. I got school the next day, me and my little brother. Um, you know, I remember uh, them rushing my grandmother. And my, mom, and my grandmother had a swollen face. You know, I don't know if they hit her or and things of that nature, you know, some of those are, are a little blurry, but I remember flashlights, and we were in my mom's room, we were we were moved, escorted to the back with guns, you know, pointed at us, like, you know, we had something to do with the drugs that were going on, um, that my uncle was selling, but guns escorted us to the back, flashlights in our eyes, and they were looking for my uncle, my uncle wasn't there, um, just, just tore the whole house up, um, didn't find anything, um, and then, you know, Moved my mom and my grandmother away and tried to ask me and my, my two brothers, you know, my older brother at the time, he was 19. So, uh, 
he was a little older, and I definitely tried to get him. But me and my younger brother, I'm 10, he's 7. Um, you know, they're trying to get us to, to tell on my uncle, you know, and we wasn't going to do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, we knew what was going on, but, you know, we can never uh, – you know, in a community that, that we grew up in, you know, it's funny. We grew up in a community where you tell the – you know, you the people, parents tell – us, you know, the police are not bad guys, but they're not great guys. And, uh, you know, that's something that how we grew up. And, you know, we keep the family, we keep the community together, we keep it away from the police. That's how we grew up. Compared to my foundation now, I'm trying to build that that gap between police and community. So, uh, you know, it's an understanding on, on, on both worlds of what's what's really going on in these houses. Because some, some of these police officers just really don't know. Mm-hmm. They don't know how, you know, we're growing up and how we're living and how we're we're struggling and, you know, if drugs are helping pay the bills or et cetera, et cetera. So I remember that, and, you know, that happened at 10, didn't happen again at 14, didn't happen again at uh, 15, happened again at 18. So, wow. Um, you know, that that was that was just drugs. Um, I've also drug raids. I've also, we've also hidden people that my uncle worked with. We've hidden people in our house away from the police. And, you know, that's two more kickdowns and people looking for them. And, you know, our house wasn't that big, but I guess we have some really good hiding spots because the police can never <laughs> find them. But, um, that's just that's just that, and then uh you know just growing up seeing seeing uh, shootouts and hearing gunshots and things growing up that you know you think that's normal, so um you know in the mix of that I got a chance my grandma worked at the local boys and girls club so I got a chance to go to the boys and girls club me and my little brother my older brother was older and he was already off but me and my little brother got a chance to go to the boys and girls club that's where we met Fillmore Graham rest his heart um but that's where we met Fillmore Graham and. Um, he used to take my football away from me when I was young and used to make me write a book report. Um, and I remember when I gave a book report back the first time and, you know, I got my football back. Um, then years down, keep continue to write these book reports, but I'll get them back with a bunch of different grammatical errors and things of that nature. And now he's teaching me how to write, how to read, and how to do those things on top of what I was getting in school. So, you know, I, Fillmore Graham literally changed my life and let me know that I didn't have to be a product of my environment. There's so many things out there in this world that I can get accomplished and get to do. Now, I still put all my eggs in basket when it came to football until I got to UC Berkeley. And then that's when I fell in love with technology. You know, I met Steve Jobs um, and, and Tim Cook at a very, very young age, um, you know, on the business side. And I met I met Mr. Levi. You know, as you know, Levi went to Cal. I met Mr. Levi and um, had some good conversations with him when I was at Cal and kind of changed my perspective on what I can really do. So, that's when I sat there and said, you know, I can be bigger or I'm more than just a football player. I'm more than just this. And I said that when I was at UC Berkeley. And, you know, as you know, Coach Rivera and Coach Rock, I mean, our, our alumni base is so huge and so broad. I mean, I wouldn't, it wouldn't surprise me if – which we all don't want to happen, but if, if, if RR, you know, lost his job today, mm-hmm. but if he wanted to get into something, you know, really, really great, his UC Berkeley alumni can do that for him. And that's something that I got to learn. And, um, you know, but growing up, you know, growing up in the neighborhood, which we call the hood, um, you know, just different, you know, different different gunshots, different killings, different things that I saw on a daily basis that was normal until, like, you know, someone changed the perspective. Couldn't change what I grew up in or my uncle or anything, but just changed the perspective. So, so for that's a little you, brief on my life. Yeah, no, I mean, it's incredibly interesting. Uh, the fact that you just dropped in that you met Steve Jobs and then you just moved on to something else. Just like most people would tell that story about meeting Steve Jobs for like the next 10 years. Let me tell you something about the time I met Steve Jobs. Me and Steve. Um, but no, I mean, and then you went from high school to Laney for a little bit yeah. and then and then to Cal and then to, to be a – it's just your journey from where you grew up to now – NFL running back is is just so interesting and I think you know compelling you know you grew up there Laney Cal undrafted free agent went to the Broncos kind of had a had a small role there and then what happened between undrafted free agent and then 2014 when you were you know kind of their prime running back um I I you know so 2013 I you know I was came in undrafted uh, as any other kid, you want to you want to hear your name on draft day, and I took that as a chip. That's why I wore 22. It was 22 backs, you know, in front of me, and you know, out of those 22, there's only one back who has more yards than me, and hopefully, he continues to sit out to week eight. So I can catch him. <laughs> 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 nah, nah. Shout out to Le'Veon, though. I mean, that's not I bad company to be in. Yeah, yeah exactly. nah, not at all. Not at all. Class. My draft class, <laughs> you know, Monte Ball and GNR Bernard and Eddie Lacy, and we had a bunch of good backs in our class, but. You know, I came in 13 and I just worked hard. And, um, you know, I, I, I tell people that 
and I speak this for Le'Veon too, I, I think we were put in a really good situation, and Eddie Lacy was too. I think we were put in a situation where we had veteran players on both sides of the football. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when Le'Veon came in in 13, the defense of Pittsburgh was still, still. I mean, they're still playing good D today, but, you know, they still had some of their leaders over there. And then, of course, he has Big Ben. Um, and then on my end, you know, I, I came in with Champ Bailey and I had Sean Phillips and Wesley Woodyard. Um, you know, who's been in the league, I think, since his 11th or 12th year. And then, and of course, Peyton Manning. And then, you know, we added the Akeebs and DeMarcus Wares. And, you know, we added people down during my career um, over there. However, um, you know, I got, to, I got to see how every day how you need to come to practice, how you need to come work. And I think that was super beneficial for myself. And, you know, I remember when I got hurt in 2013 after having a great preseason one, you know, I only played one preseason game my rookie year. So I, I got hurt. I just remember, you know, my running back coach, Eric Studesville, who I got mad respect and love him to death, he just told me to be annoying. So I was annoying every day. Like, everything about the offense, Peyton asked, I was the first to answer it. Um, it got it got so annoying where Peyton would ask a question and say, CJ, don't answer it. <laughs> that's how I knew my name was being facilitated around the building. You know, I'm an undrafted guy. I got to find a way to stand out. And um, once I made the team, it was good. And then the second year, you know, I'm playing behind Ronnie Hillman and Monte Ball. You know, they drafted Ronnie two years before that in the third round and drafted Monte in the second round, same year I came in. So I kind of had to wait my turn. And when both of them got, uh, you know, had injuries, um, I made one play against Oakland um, and then continued to have that great game against Oakland. Then I had a super strong stretch and, uh, you know, life changed for me and never looked back since. What is it about Denver? It feels like Denver had that stretch where they just continually produced running back after running back after running back after running back, and that you were kind of in that line of guys. Is is there something in the water up there? I mean, I, I don't know. I just, I, you know, from what you hear and what you see around the league. I mean, um, you know, I don't, I don't know who was fresh rookie, at, you know, undrafted on our roster today. I don't think we have one. I'm trying to trying to think if we do. Uh, who on Carolina or Denver? Carolina. Um, no, not right now. Yeah, or not, undrafted. Brandon Mann is undrafted, but like but not at running league. back. No, Brandon Mann. Was, oh no, Brandon Mann. Yeah, is, he's an undrafted, oh, he's rookie, undrafted this rookie this year. Yeah. So okay, then that's one. But I know, just for for the time being, I mean, you know, it was it was Chris Harris Jr. and Wesley. It was Wesley Williard, Chris Harris. You know, they had all these undrafted guys who made plays, and um, you know, as far as the running back position, I just think it's the culture of their. You know, of, of of running the football, you know, back, you know, with Terrell Davis and, and Mike Anderson and Clinton Portis. Mm-hmm. And, um, man, I'm missing some names. I'm missing some good names. Uh, Orlando's Gary and Ruben Drones. I mean, yep. for, for years they just had this tradition of running the football, you know, how they want to – you know, what type of team they want to be. And, you know, um, you know, it feels good to be in those mixes, you know, mm-hmm. especially with some players that I had in Denver. It just – it feels good to have that and um, – you know, I think that's that's one thing with Denver that they continue to do. I mean, even now with, you know, they brought in Royce Freeman who's starting and another undrafted guy in Philip Lindsay who had mm-hmm. a touchdown last week. Um, they continue to find um, those backs out there somewhere who's going to be scrappy, gritty, and go get it. Yeah, it's uh, it, it does feel like the running back position, it does kind of breed that, like, when you're a little bit undrafted, you need that chip on your shoulder a little bit. And, and it you know, obviously that, that helps you get better as Huge. you grow. I mean, yeah. it helps here too. I mean, I – you know, I, I got something to prove here, and you know what? Uh, time would only tell. You know, I I, I fairly love my performance um, against Dallas. Got to get in on the one, which is a little off balance, but you know, broke a broke a nine yard and a half run and mm-hmm. gave my touchdown to Alex. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> at the end of the day, we got the W, and that's what matters. But now nah, I just think it's the same year too. It's just um, you know, I, I look at every draft class. Don't get me wrong, I love Christian. I loved him in college. Mm-hmm. Um, I look at every draft class and go, man. You know, I look at Christian. He was round one pick. He doesn't know what I've been through. He doesn't know how I've been through. And, and every day, you know, I try to push him to make him better. Um, you know, same with Cap. You know, I tell Cap, hey, man, you know, Cap says some things. You know, he feels some ways, and he has that right to feel that way, you know, how he feel. And, you know, of course, he want more touches and want to play more too. But I tell him the same thing, hey, man, you were drafted in the fifth round, and you heard your name on ESPN that day too. I didn't. And that's just, you know, that's kind of how I see it and how I feed it. You know, and I, and I remind him of that, you know, not to not to get on him or not to not to not to put him down, to let him know like, man, it's it's always going to be a kid like me out there that's that's that that feels like they can take your spot and take your job. So, let's 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 be hungry and let's grow together as a room and I think that's what we're doing. Yeah, it's uh I I think that 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 chip on your shoulder always helps, but specifically a running back for some reason it always feels like Yeah, it's huge. <laughs> yeah. When when somebody gets passed over, that's when they kind of make that right. next step up. 
Has there been any fun uh, rivalry with Christian with the whole Stanford Cal stuff? Or what? Or? We're, we're both two and zero. You know, I haven't uh, checked the schedule. When's that game we're, this we're, year? Uh, it's later down in November. Okay. Um, we'll have something up. Yeah. Hopefully, uh, my Bears pull it through and. You'll be seeing him walking around with a number nine CJ Anderson. <laughs> or so, you know, they might mix, you know, Rivera and Rock in there too. So uh, we'll, we'll see. Um, you know, we've we've struggled against Stanford for, for the last eight years or so. So, but now, nah, um, now, nah, like I said, man, me and C Mac, we're just, you know, we compliment each other well. We talk a lot. You know, it, it's crazy. You know how much I've seen him grown from you know the time I got there till now, just with him asking questions and. And him, you know, he sees that I see the game a little different. I mean, I got a lot of games under my belt, so it makes sense. You know, I tell him, hey, man, this is still your – you know, I think this that 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 Dallas game was his 18th football game, you know, 18th yeah. game in the National Football League. Yeah, that's crazy. You know, for me, I got like 40 of them plus. So, I, you know, I see the game a little different. I just try to help him, you know, um, you know, he's the guy. You know, that's what I tell people, you know, he's the guy. You know, I'm going to come in and make plays because I'm a playmaker and that's how I feel, but – He's the guy, and the best thing you can do for that guy is enhance and give him as much as you can, um, so he can be successful. Because when he's successful, when I come in, it's just it just it complements that much better. Right. And if he's struggling, and then you know, not saying I can't take all the weight and the pressure because I have before in my past being a starter, but if he's struggling and things is looking away, then we can get really, really one-dimensional with my game. So you want to keep our games as high level as we can. You talked a little bit before we got on about your conversation with Peyton and his decision-making process when he picked the Broncos, and then obviously you had a decision too. And I know Jay Stu, you talked to him a little bit. Can you just touch a little bit about you know Carolina and Norv and what what was attracted to this yeah, situation so, for you? Yeah, so you know before I talked to Stu, I you know I, I'm really really good friends with Peyton. You know I like to say that. I like to say <laughs> you you've been name dropping a little yeah, bit here. I don't think I don't think well, I'm good friends with a lot of people, but I don't think I don't think too many. Too many people can say they can talk to Peyton uh, for sure. on a daily basis, and and that feels good. And I and I've earned and grown hard for that relationship. And you know, I I remember you know it took me. He's a hard man to reach. It took me about maybe a week and a half, two weeks, just to get him on the phone. You know, when I got released, I texted him immediately and say, "Hey, man, we need to talk." You know, mm -hmm. I was kind of already in the process of thinking. And at that time, I had about six, seven teams that was highly interested. And um, you know, it was it was you know, I'm mean, at what point in my career I've been paid. Of course, I would love to be paid again, <laughs> sure. anybody else. But I've been paid. I won a Super Bowl, so you know, the, 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 I guess the goal here is a legacy type thing. And I couldn't do it, you know, with the same team. Obviously, they released me, so right. you know, the legacy as a player. What do you want to be remembered as? You know, you know, some people might not look, you know, when they look at a list of running backs, you know, they will look at the Barry Sanders and the Emmitt Smiths and things of the world. But you know. Um, he might not be up there in yardage, but then when they put him up there with championships and some of the games that, you know, he changed and he played in, LeGarrette Blunt will be up there somehow, some mm -hmm. way, just because, you know, who he was. You know, he led the league in one year in touchdowns with like 18, I believe, and then, you know, he turned around, he has two Super Bowl rings, two or three now. So, you know, those are, those are you know, when, when you break down the list, it might not be Hall of Fame lists and things of that nature, but when you break down the list, LeGarrette Blunt's going to be up there, um, which is good. So, you know, it's a good legacy for him. So I was just thinking legacy for me, and you know I talked to Peyton, and I just asked him, you know he went to all these different these different clubs, and what made him choose, and you know he just told me familiarity what I'm used to doing, and what I'm used to, how am I used to working, and you know can I can I continue to have the same exact schedule with a different club that I had in Denver, and then can you find some coaches who who will respect you enough, um, so when you speak, now of course it didn't matter where Peyton go. You know where right. he spoke. Yeah, everybody gonna listen to eighteen. Though. But you know, do you have you know as a, as a you know as he told me as a smart football player, I, you know I am and I work hard to be. You know, can you give your opinion where it doesn't look like you're trying to out coach your coach? Can you give your opinion where it's back and forth? And um, you know, that's when uh, you know I named him the teams and um, two three teams actually stood out and um. I ain't gonna name the other two, <laughs> but uh, was, we were all like pausing. Yeah, like, yeah. Well, should I was we? Yeah. I was I'm not gonna name the other two, but three teams stood out, and um, and of course Carolina was one of them, and you know Norv popped up, and you know he had some great respects and some high things to say about Norv, and I take that opinion as valued. Then, um, before I talked to Jay, still I talked to Kubiak. So, so, um, Gary and Clint, you know, Clint worked with Norv, mm -hmm. um, at one point, Gary's son, and um, Coach Kub Kub told me that uh, you know Norv would know how to use you. Um, but Norv is, you know, he's not a, uh, a uptight guy. You know, he's going to listen. You know, um, 
You know, he said, CJ, just like I did, he's going to listen if you see some things because you're on the field and you're playing. So I thought that was amazing. Um, I thought that was amazing, and that, and that gave it clarification. And then when I talked to when I talked to Stu, it was just more about the culture and how the team is and things of that nature. Because obviously, Stu never played with Norv, so right. it was more the culture and how the team is. And um, Stu gave me some good things, um, you know, that solidified, it and it just made the decision that much easier. So, um, you know, it's been fun working with Norv and Scott. You know, yeah. it's been you know Scott's the one that's down there. Norv is in the box. So, sure. me and Scotty, uh, you know, <laughs> I get on him a lot. Just about just about little things that I see, but I'm glad that they see and they respect it. I mean, um, you know, I, I asked for something in the game, and I got called back-to-back. -back. You know, and I had an eight-yard carry and turned around and had another six-yard carried off of it. So, you know, those are, those are certain things I could see. And, and that same came with, from something that, that you saw It came from something that I just saw. Me and Skip were sitting talking on the sideline. It just came from something that I saw. And, you know, even if it was for me, I mean, I, I wasn't calling it for me. Mm -hmm. You know, at the time, 22 was in the game, so I'm right. calling it for 22, but – you know, they made the switch and put me in and called it for me. And, you know, I was always told, you know, even when Peyton said it, you know, when Gay said it, you know, I had some good offensive coaches in my career. Um, and, and even Coach Studersville, when they said, hey, if you're going to call the play, you got to make it go. So, you know, it feels good to to, to, to pull an eight-yard and a six-yard gain right. on a play that, that I suggested. Yeah. For sure. And it's like, okay, this worked because, you know, you lose credibility sure. if, that, if you don't get that look and that doesn't work. So, yeah. That's pretty cool with someone with, uh, you know, I guess clout, for a lack of a better term, that, that comes with Norv. But the fact, you know, in his experience, he's been around for so long and he's had successes, but he's still open to listening to his players and, and still things that he knows he doesn't necessarily see from his perspective. But, you know, he trusts you guys and will, and will make a play or, or make a change to well, I do think that. It's, I think it's just huge. I mean, just, you know, he played, you know, he had LT. He had Frank Gore. Mm -hmm. uh, it wouldn't surprise me if LT or Frank Gore went to Norv when he was on the sideline like, hey, this is what I see. If there was those type of players, hey, this is what I see. And, I mean, you know, they're running a the football. You know, I, I'm looking at the picture and going, you know, just looking at the angles and going, if we block this correctly, this right. should be a big play or it should be a really good play. Right. And, you know, whether that's me or Christian, I'm, hey, as we're talking about it, as I'm telling Christian, I'm saying this should be here and the cut will be here. You know, it just so happened that I got in the game and it happened. But, I mean, it's the same, you know, um, it was the same play. Um, it was a play during preseason that that cap had that I called and was for cap and it was just a good play. I think it was against Miami. So, uh, you know, it's just – I just try to be – you know, I'm a very cerebral guy, and I just try to be in the game. I try not to OC too much. You know, that's a problem that, that I'll have. I'll get – you know, like people say, Luke instincts would, you know, sometimes get him in trouble. Mine will be the same way on the offensive end. But, you know, I, at the end of the day, it's about winning football games. And, you know, at, at the point, you know, whether, you know, we're in the run game or we're not in the run game, um, I can help that way. And then, you know, in the pass game, it's just much as seeing coverages and – you know, and letting receivers know. Like Dallas had three signals early in the game that they, they gave up their coverages. So I told Daryl Kotri, I don't know how that went from there. But, uh, I, you know, it's, it's just something that, you know, something that Peyton told me, you know, have that familiarity that you're used to doing. And if you can tell somebody if it enhances and helps the team, uh, that's much better. It's just no different when I watch tape, you know, on Atlanta when I start breaking them down tonight. If I see something, I'm going to bring it up. Right. But then I'm going to have evidence of bringing it up, so I'm going to show them, you know, three, four times. The good thing is I played Dan Quinn a couple times, so <laughs> it yeah. shouldn't be too much. So you're saying as the game is going on, when Dallas offense is on the field, you're engaged enough in the game to where you're picking up things that can help yeah, you out. Yeah, yeah. I, I, you know, and, um, you know, me and Coach, Coach Washington, I think that's his last name, right, Eric? Yeah. yeah me and Coach, me and, me and E, um, you know, we had some conversations uh, first just about his defense alone. Um, you know, I, I I would never give this away. But, uh, you know, I can tell when Luke's blitzing. I can tell when there's with her in certain coverages. And I can, and that's just something I know from playing them two times in my career. Um, you know, and I, I remember asking him when I first got here, hey, e, do you all run the same system? And he said, yeah. And I said, well, I can tell, you know. In certain looks and certain things, you bring in certain, you know, certain pressures and things of that nature. So I got a chance to do that, and I got a chance to help him on that and show him that. Yeah. Um, just during practice, during training camp, he saw it, and of course he made some adjustments. And now he came to me during training camp and was like, "Hey, can you read this now? Can you get on this now?" And I said, "Now nah, you change this up a bit." Um, so it's it's no difference than when I'm watching, you know, after I get done doing what I'm doing for offense. Um, you know, I'm I'm a fan, I'm, a, I'm a love the game. I'm a fan of the game. Um, and when I when I can watch Dallas. And, uh, and and pay attention to, to, you know, hey, run here, pass here, just certain tendencies down the distance. You, you know, you try to guess, you know, some of it some of it is, is tendencies more than it is guessing, but some of it is tendencies on down the distance and who's the OC and things of that nature. Um, you know, this week would be tough. I don't really know Stark too well. Mm -hmm. But 
um, you know, over there in Dallas with JG and things um, on the offensive side of the ball, it, it, it makes, you know, it makes sense. And, you know, you try not to do it too much. You try to just, you know, when, when you get that respect as a player, I just try to go over there, hey, man, hey, when Zeke do this, this is coming. You know, when this happened, this is coming. And then on the defensive end, it's, it's more going to Scotty or Norv and, or Masco and saying, hey, in this look, you know, I think this will be a good play. And it, you leave it at that. And if they call it, great. And if they don't, that's fine. And, you know, we, we all get back. You know, the good thing about our meetings on Monday, we all get back and get to express, you know, what we want. And, you know, I, I actually get to pull up the picture and go, do you guys think this was a good play? And if they say, yeah, I'd be like, well, I gave it to them. If you call it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. I'll take the credit for those eight yards. Thank you very much. So it sounds like, like you do a lot of coaching on the field, obviously, or on the sidelines. Is that something that, you know, once once football is over that you might be interested in doing as being yeah, a coach? Yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't mind. I mean, I got a lot going on. I yeah. got a lot going on, but I wouldn't mind. I mean, I, you know, I love the game. I love ball, and, and, and I've been around some, some great offensive minds. And even now, you know, with, with Skip, uh, you know, Skip and, and, and Stu's are, you know, completely different. You know, Skip been in this game for a very, very long time and just learning from Skip and how he sees things and situational football with Skip just as Stu's is great. So, um, you know, it, it doesn't hurt. You know, I've always said, you know, I've always, when we go through our two-minute drill in practice, um, and if I'm not in, if I'm on the sideline, if I'm not in, or if we do situational football and I'm not in, um, you know, I always go, you know, you know, I get with Jared, you know, when I was in Denver, it was Tyke Tobert, but now it's 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 Jericho Cotter, and I'd be like, hey, man, what would you call here? And I'll go, you know what, I'll call this. And he go, man, that's a good call. And I go, yeah, hopefully. And, you know, I, so one day I, w I would like to be an OC, no matter where I'm at. But, yeah, I, I try to, you know, I learned so much from the people that I learned. You know, Adam came in with Adam Gase and, you know, then Gary Kubiak, then Mike McCoy, Bill Musgraves, of course, Peyton Manning. Um, and then now I got Norb. So just learning different philosophies um, and having different O-line coaches in Magazoo and, and JD and, you know, Mal Masco and Clancy Brown, just, just having different coaches and different schemes and philosophy. Um, yeah, it'd be good to put a playbook together and, and try to coach a group of guys and see if, if it works out. I noticed you put Peyton Manning in that list of offensive coordinators because it's like, I mean. Got to. Yeah, I mean, Got he, to. he I runs mean, that offense, right? He, so, uh, you know, people think, you know, it was a it was a, it was was a a really good marriage between him and Gase. Him and Goose, um, you know, they, they saw the game the same way. So there was times that Peyton had it and Goose would be quiet. And there was times that Goose calling it and Peyton's calling it and, you know, of course, everything's live. If Peyton wanted to go change it, he can go do that. But there was times where, you know, Gase is putting us in the best play possible. Um, you know, he's doing the same thing up there in Miami. You know, they they had the seven-hour football game the other day. <laughs> yeah, <I> same, same. <laughs> But, you know, they found a way to win. And, I mean, obviously, Jake Cutler had his best years under Gase. And mm -hmm. Tannehill had his best year before he tore his ACL and things of that nature under Gase. So, um, you know, there's some there's some good. I mean, Kubiak's been in this this business forever. Norv has some successful seasons. So, there's a bunch of there's a bunch of coordinators. And then you know, what you know, it's crazy what Mike McCoy brought to San Diego at the time, L.A. Now, the the Chargers are still running that same system. So, you know, it's it's good to have good offensive minds that I've been around. And you know, hopefully, I'm blessing my career to to stay around them. What's the difference between playing, you know, playing next to lining up and playing next to Peyton Manning and lining up and, and playing next to Cam? Huge, <laughs> <laughs> big difference. Um, you know, one thing, one thing I love about one um, is just the, the positive energy. Like, like so energetic, uh, wants to be involved in everything that's going on, and that's probably something different with Peyton. Peyton's more um, super, super like. I'm not gonna say Cam's not strategic, but super, super detailed on some uh, on some of what Peyton does, and you know Peyton would tell you know I missed that throw because you know my left foot was this way. You know <laughs> that's something Peyton would do. Other than Cam, you know Cam is more, um, you know, if he missed that throw, he know he missed that throw, and he'll make that correction on how he missed it. However, he could still not be in the perfect quarterback form or whatever, and the ball still gets there at the same velocity, same zip, and still get puts on the money. So. Right. Um, you know, Cam, um, energy and energetic and what he loves to do and the, how much he loves the game in his way is what helps him. And then I think, you know, having that, that, that dual threat, I mean, you know, Cam, you know, our offense got opened up when Cam got going. And that's kind of how, you know, it's no different if, if Peyton is flowing in a way where he's dinking and dunking and the ball's going on. It's no different with Cam Newton. You know, our offense, you know, ran through 18 it just, just as well as it runs through one. Um, you know, whether that's with his legs, 
and then you know complemented by with his arm or with his arm and then complemented by with his legs whatever whatever was working for one that day or working for us that day so um you know those those are probably the two two big exchanges that's different just you know one's super duper athletic and then the other guy <laughs> <laughs> which which one is that? Is that yeah? Can you which, that one? which one's the big rushing threat? <laughs> well, you know, I, I, you know, I remember 2014. Uh, <laughs> we're playing the Niners in Levi, um, and uh, we called. Uh, we were in five wide, um, and then Peyton changes the play and calls QB power. Okay. <laughs> Can't go negative one. <laughs> I don't know if you know if you want to get hit or things of that nature. You know, compared to, you know, you call QB power with with one, it could be a gang of thirty. So. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Wait, <laughs> I want to know what Peyton saw that he checked out to. And a that's QB the funny power. part. Yeah. <laughs> obviously, he obviously he knew to run the ball. You know, that's how Peyton works, though. He knew he wants to run the ball. Right. But no running back in the backfield because you an empty. So he called it for himself. You know, <laughs> he he you know the play in his head. Was like this could be a big play. Yeah, you know, he uh, probably didn't put in consideration that. I'm, not, I'm, I'm a, a fans, I'm a 38 year old running it. Yeah, <laughs> sure. you know, fans definitely see Peyton as like you know business, real just you know got his stuff together and uh, you know a uh, real student of the game. But we also see him, you know, whether it's on Saturday Night Live or commercials, like he's got a pretty funny personality too. Super. I mean, do you, do you do you see some of that? Do you big, have any good, uh, good jokes stories you're able to share? Big, big jokes, big jokes all day. No stories, but yeah. But big jokes, man. Peyton, Peyton is a big jokester, big prankster. So, um, you know, when he warms up and he gets around you, um, no different than one. You know, one got all these nicknames. I mean, my nickname's <laughs> Uncle Junebug. I don't know how that came into play. <laughs> but, you know, that's what he calls me. But he has nicknames for everybody on the mm-hmm. team. And, you know, it's no different than Peyton. Peyton's just a big prankster, big jokester. And, uh, you know, when he, when, he, when he gets a laugh, the difference between 18 and the one, 18 will get you – to get the media to laugh and get the media involved in it. Um, you know, he had that respect. One is just going to get you just one-on-one him by himself or him and the guys. So, yeah, yeah, that, 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 I respect jokes. that. Yeah. I re- I respect that a little better. Cause you know, when you get, when you get, when you get hit by 18 on a prank and then the media sees it, it's just tough to try to get 18 back with the media on his side. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's tough to be on the the opposite side <laughs> of that of that Peyton. Um, you know, was was it hard in that in that Denver Peyton Manning offense to like? Is it more complicated? Because that's that's from an outside perspective when you're watching it. And I'll be honest, I'm I'm not. I didn't watch a ton of tape on Denver, and you know, I I don't report on them. So, but it seems like that offense is the the word on the street is that it's so complicated. Peyton has a ton of plays that he can change them to. And if you're lining up next to him, how does that help you when you when you kind of graduate to another offense when you've seen that well, much it, complication? It, it, it's, it's huge. Um, you know, I, for me, because I, I, I'm a cerebral guy, um, you know, as I as you guys just hear it here, I mean, I remember things back, you know, when I was a rookie. I can remember things I was caught. Like, for me, when I when I break down tape or when I look things, I was I was taught from the Peyton Manning view, if mm-hmm. that makes sense. So – it hit it hit me, you know, really quick and really early. So um, I don't think it was complicated. Now, have I seen other players in our system struggle with it when I was in Denver? Of course. Um, you know, I, I didn't have a problem with it. You know, it, it was work. You know, you had to get in. I mean, you know, it can be, you know, October and Peyton to give you something that we ran in April. And you better know what it was. Yeah. You know, that's that's the difference. But, you know, um, it does make, you know, picking up other offices – a little bit easier. It's not as much verbiage. It's not, a bit, not as many code words. It's not as much, you know, uh, terminology that that Gase or Mike McCoy or Peyton had at the time. Um, you know, here um, when you when you learn different offices, you know, whether that was Kubiak or whether that's Norv or or Bill Musgraves, you know, the terminology is cut. Now the the toughest part is just you know understanding the blocking scheme. I think that was the biggest thing for me. Like, you know. A, a a cut block here uh, or not here but a, a cut block when i was in you know one offense is now a scoop in another offense and it's just you know it's, it's those type of terminology terms you know because people forget as the running back position we do it all so mm-hmm. you know you block like alignment catch like receivers and you got to think like a quarterback to pick up certain protections so um you know for us in the run game it's good to know who the o-line is working to who's double teaming and who who's single blocking and things of that nature as no difference is understanding the coverages when you're running routes out of the backfield. So um, those are probably the tough things because, you know, what what I call cover six 
is way different than what North called cover six. So, you know, those are the things that, that, that's been tough, you know, from coordinator to coordinator in my career. That's such a difference between um, – or such an underrated skill, I think, is pass blocking in a in a running back. And, like, obviously, I think you – that's – you're one of the best in the league at that. Thank you. How do, how do you – how does that something that come about? Is that just like reps and work, or is I it? I think it's I think it's reps, work, it's technique. Uh, I just want to, um, you know, I my running back coach who's at Stanford now, uh, Ron Gould, who was at Cal when I was there. He went from Cal to Stanford. Went to Cal to UC Davis to Stanford. Wow, yeah, he's the enemy for sure. <laughs> okay, all right. You know, that's why Bryce Love is so successful. <laughs> you know, he had all us, Marshawn and stuff, Jay, Jason, Justin Forsett and Javid Best, but now he's he's ramping up Bryce Love. But I think you know one thing that he made. You know, he made pass protection like, hey, man, that's that's mama in the backfield. And would you protect your mother? And I took that to heart. Like, yeah, I would protect my mom. Like, I don't want nobody hitting my mom. Like, mm-hmm. that's real. I, you know, I will hope everybody feels that way. Right. Um, but, yeah, I, I take pride in it. You know, I take pride in, in knowing where the blitz is coming and protecting. I mean, you know, I, I played, you know, with a guy, if you, if you kept him on his feet, he can make you pay. Um, and, you know, now I'm – you know, I'm back with a guy same way. You know, if you keep one on your on his feet, he can make you pay in a lot of ways. You know, if you blitzing and playing man to man and you running all over, you just picking up your blitz and move. And if he sees a crease and he wants to take off, he can do that. But you know, Cam, you know, people don't give Cam a lot of credit. Cam also see coverages too. So if if you pick up the blitz and he knows Cam, I've seen it in practice. I've seen him move, slide left in the pocket, you know, and throw it right where the blitz was supposed to. You know, right where the blitz was coming for a big play in practice. So. You know, you know, it feels good to have that, you know, comfortability back there that, you know, if I pick this up, you know, he's going to make the right decision. And then, of course, my receivers downfield, um, you know, they get the chance to make plays. And, you know, it's kind of kind of back and forth. You know, Funch, hey, I picked up that big blitz for you. Great. Now I need you to push crack for me when I get the ball. So, mm-hmm. you know, it, it, works in, it works in favor. Right. Uh, you mentioned, you know, having chips and then playing through some of that stuff, you know, in your career, being undrafted. Um, I think a lot of people kind of understand there's obviously a, bl- a business side to football too. Does being released from the Broncos after having your best season, a thousand yard season, I mean, does that does that add a chip to the shoulder? Oh, for too, sure. I, you know, I'm at I'm 27 years old. I feel like I'm at the prime of my career right now. And um, you know, um, you know, one of my friends said, "Hey, man, it's like history all over itself." You know, you came in undrafted and had to prove yourself, and now you get released and got to prove yourself again. You know, history repeats itself. And um, you know, at the time, you know. No disrespect to Elway. I mean, obviously, you know, they're going to make decisions that they feel is best, you know, for their organization, sure. and they have that right. Um, but at the time, it was like, man, we were 5-11, and 11 and, you know, like you said, you don't cover it. But if you want to pull up every game tape last year, you know, I felt like uh, there was times I felt like uh, – now, of course, we had some injuries. You know, Emmanuel's hurt, DT's hurt. But, mm-hmm. you know, at some time, it, you know, I'm the only person out there Pulling trying the to win the games. <laughs> so, um, you know, I play with that effort, play with that heart, and – you know, um, it definitely hurts when you when you finally go, man. This is, you know, this this I can build off this. You know, I can build off this thousand yard season and more. And you know, you know, when someone, you know, says, "Hey, man," and it wasn't more like, "Hey, you can't play this game no more." It was just more like, "Hey, we're paying you too much, so we're gonna get rid of you." You know, when someone tells you that, you know, we get a chance as an undrafted kid to make the most money you've ever made in your career. Um, you know, you're coming off a high season. Um, you never really had, you know, you're clean on and off the field, and then you never really had any, you know, you had games where you struggled, but you had more consistent games where you were playing well than when you were not playing well. Right. You know, when they get rid of you, it's like, damn. So, um, you know, looking for a new team was more like, you know, can I get the opportunity, and where am I going to get the opportunity to, to prove my worth and do this all over again? And I thought this was the perfect spot, especially in this scheme. You know, a, a lot, you know, zone and downhill running, power running this, you know, kind of what we did in Denver, and, and it's definitely what I can do here. And, you know, I try to show that with, with my patience and certain cuts. And, you know, as as games will go along, you know, I will get my legs under me so I can start lowering my shoulder and breaking a lot more tackles. Yeah, I think you said that to me on Sunday after the game. You said, like, as I get – as the season goes on, I get stronger. Yeah. Um, more touches. I've always – you know, the more touches I get, the stronger I get, you know, during games. And, you know, I, you know, I try to make an adjustment every run, you know, just like – you know, you only get one opportunity. You know, it's crazy. You know, I was telling Cam. Cam was like, man, you got to get in the end zone there. And I'm like, yeah. But I'm telling Cam why I didn't get in the end zone. And, you know, he's like, oh, I didn't think of it that way. I said, yeah, man, because, you know, I knew I was going to break John tackle. I knew I was going to break the tackle. 
I just didn't expect him to turn me so much where I became off balance. And yeah. then I become off balance, I lose the best part of my game, power. So, you know, I, I, I'm slightly off balance and I lose my power. And now I'm, I'm tackled at the one-yard line instead of mm-hmm. being tackled in that black paint where I can celebrate. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> do you have a celebrate? you have a – Touchdown celebration in mind? Do you have a specific I do the Thiz one? dance. So I do the, do the, the do this dance called the Thiz dance. Um, you know where I'm from. Uh, Mac Dre was a huge rapper in the Bay Area, a huge rapper in Vallejo, California, and he passed away. Got shot in Kansas City, and I remember I did it the first time. You know, we called the dance called the Bird, and I did it the first time. You know, in Kansas City when I played and had a good game out there. And that's just something I do. I know they do Sunday giveaways. That's um, the question. Your first TD, yeah. Kansas. So, you want to give it away? So You're gonna hang it's, on to it's, it. Or? It's it's gonna be interesting because. Um, it depends where that touchdown is. You know, if that touchdown is 40, 30 out, um, I'm known to throw the ball. If you've seen all my th- – I'm known to throw the ball to the ref really, really quick. So, I, I you know, I, I'll see what number one has to you say. You know he'll come back. First. Cam will just run over yeah, and get it back. He, if he gives yeah. it back and he gives it to me and I got to go give it to a special kid up there, I will. But I am known to throw the ball quick. Um, sometimes I celebrate. Depends how I'm feeling. Sometimes I just throw it quick and I go straight to the sideline. So, mm-hmm. um It'll be interesting, you know. I, I, that's something I told Cam. I say, hey man, I know you. I know you do your Sunday giveaways, but you know, I do give the. I just, I'm so used to just huh, throwing the ball, and because I'm just so school. focused. I'm yeah. just so focused. I'm so focused and so dialed in. I'm ready to boom and go. So that's that's my way of enjoying the game. But I'm I'm pretty sure me and one, sometime this season, me and one gonna have a conversation in the end zone about <laughs> me. Go give it in the ball to a to a special kid. I, f- I feel like we see that like every every year, every week. He like puts his arm around some uh, somebody new. Like even Alex, Let me show he you had his arm around him. Here. Hey, here's yeah, yeah. But Alex said, "I'm keeping this. Is my first yeah. touchdown. I'm keeping this." So, yeah, like, that was my question. Your first that, Carolina right? touchdown. You might uh, have to I mean, I've, I've been in the end zone plenty of times, right, man. Right. I just like I said, act like you've been there it's before, business. and you know, I, you know. Let's hopefully. But hopefully I you know, I remember not to give it to the ref and yeah. I'm looking for a kid in the one or fifty nine jersey yeah. somewhere. Especially if it's I on the road. I remember it. It was it last year the year before the the ref got the ball real early in uh in New Orleans and Cam tried to get it back and they were literally like playing keep away with him. <laughs> I was sitting in the end zone like on the fifth row and I'm like, What's this guy? It was like the just like the ball guy. Not even the ref was just kinda like keeping it from him. You know, Cam just takes it from him. Yeah. <laughs> Especially there's always somebody in the front row. Yeah, well, I mean that's and I guess uh, that's a good thing. You know, that's a good thing that Cam does, man. I mean, he, he gets you know fans involved. He gets he gets the community involved that way. And, you know, a kid, you know, it's like catching a home run. You mm-hmm. know, when you're young, you, you know, if you think you can catch a home run, that's a that's a special memory. So a kid gets a chance to get a ball from Cam Newton or someone from the Panthers. That's a special memory. He goes on with a with an NFL game football. You know, that yeah, that doesn't happen too often. So. Yeah, I know you said, uh, I guess it's about a month ago, there's some reporters were talking to you maybe after practice, and, you know, they jokingly asked you about, did, did Kotri catch it? And you answered yes at the time. Now, with him being the coach, did that have any impact on it? Or, uh, nah, <laughs> nah. I mean, I, I, I strongly believe he caught the football, you know. <laughs> I just asked people, to, to, okay, does the strip sack still happen? That's all I asked. Sure. Mm-hmm. And we can't. Does it change no, no it to knows. a t- but you know, does it happen and do we get the ball and do we go down and score? Or mm-hmm. do we go down and kick three and go up six zero? I mean, who knows? You know, right, if, right. if if it was embedded for the strip sack to happen, it was gonna happen. Or does the strip sack happen and Bond makes his MVP that more solidified with a forty yard strip sack run? Sure. Yep. You know, so we don't we don't know what happened. I mean, I believe he caught it and you know, rest they mess up all the time. Absolutely. Sheesh. You know, we we get upset. Um, but I don't think you know, that strip sack caused the Carolina Panthers to lose that Super Bowl and yeah. just puts them in a 10-hole. You know, still a two-possession game. They're getting the ball back. They get sure. a, And then they go down. I think they scored the next drive, and it's 10-7. Yeah. So, you know, they're still in the game. But that's, you know, I, I tell people he caught it. But the question is, yeah. you know, what, what happens next? We will never know. No, that's just some fun. I mean, I, I think most fans – are getting over that 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 Super Bowl uh, by now? Yeah. Maybe, maybe maybe not, but no. Obviously, that was a you know big play that stuck out to fans. TD so reminds just, me every day that I took his ring. From him. <laughs> <laughs> and I tell TD, you know, do you let him wear it at least uh, one time. Yeah, or I don't do that because I think he'll throw it in the lake or something. But <laughs> I told TD, I didn't take your ring. I beat you fair and square for it. So <laughs> I try to remind him that. But now, nah, um, you know, just my motivation, and you know, this is for. Every fan that's listening, you know, my motivation is something that we did when I was in Denver. And, you know, I'm doing that here. You got a guy like Julius Peppers and Thomas Davis and Greg Olson and Ryan Khalil, who's he said he announced this is his last season. And, um, you know, you, you take some of those, even Luke, you know, you take some of those guys, even Cam, you take some of those guys and, you know, that's what you play for. 
you know, I, I'm in year six, and I, you know, I strongly believe I got a, a lot left in my career to continue to play this game that I love. You know, some of those guys that I named, Mike Adams, captain is the same way. Who knows how much they have left? Mm-hmm. And, you know, winning the championship, why I came over here was a championship caliber team, but winning a championship for them will mean so much more than me than me grabbing my second Super Bowl ring. Um, you know, to see Pep in the career that he had, I've been watching Pep since I was eight, nine years old, and sure. to see him, you know, grab that Lombardi trophy and smile at it, like just like DeMarcus <laughs> Ware, just seeing him smiling at it, cradling it, like that's all he worked for for 17 seasons, That that's a special moment. You yeah. know, Thomas Davis for 14 seasons, Pops, you know, Mike Adams for 15. Those are special moments. You know, Ryan Khalil, Greg Olson, who, you know, right now, who knows how long he's going to be out, but – um, you know, those are special moments, you know, no difference than, you know, we got to see that with D Ware and, and Peyton on his way. And, you know, those are, those are really special moments that you, that you enjoy and that you see. And, you know, I, I've told all those guys, you know, in their face, you know, I'm playing this season for you guys. You know, I'm not playing it, you know, for myself. I'm not playing it for the accolades or, you know, Pro Bowls. And believe me, I want another one, but I'm playing strictly. So when at the end of the season, you know, if everything goes the way we would like for it to go and Pep is on that podium holding that up, that's gonna that's gonna be a proud moment for me. That's great. That's yeah. awesome. I love it. Um, I I don't I, I almost hesitate to bring this up, but I've got to. What's up with this Sonic the Hedgehog thing? <laughs> so, so um, 2015 Super Bowl. Okay. Year, uh, you know we played Pittsburgh in the playoffs. Uh, I scored the goal at touchdown. Um, and I had an interview with NFL Network immediately after. Um. You and balled and you got the call? Is that what they – did uh, they have they, that They didn't then? have that then. Okay, all right. It was just – you know, I was on with Dion, Marshall Falk, I think Michael Irvin. I was on with the guys, though. And, I, you know, they're, as I'm in the room, you know, the camera's on me. And, you know, I took my pads off. You know, I didn't want to wear my shoulder pads. But I always wear a Sonic the Hedgehog uh, shirt, T-shirt under all my jerseys. Um, you know, whether that's different, it could be the same. But I had a shirt that says, you know, you're too slow. It just reminds me I need to play fast. Um, you know, because – Speed is not the big, the best part of my game, but it is deceptive. So that's I, I am happy about that. However, um, I had the shirt on, and I remember going after Prime because he was like, "Man, you guys are not gonna win the Super Bowl. They're gonna, you know, you're gonna struggle in an AFC Championship against New England, and right. et cetera, et cetera." And I went after Prime live. You know, I went after him. Uh, Come to find out, when I got off, it was Marshall Falk who said that. Uh-huh. <laughs> so I apologize, apologize with Dion, like my bad, Prime. Apologize with Dion and got on Marshall, you know, after, you know, after right. behind the scenes. But you know, when I got on Prime Time, you know, which is you know huge. I guess I'm using his platform. When I got on him with the Sonic shirt, those comments went viral. Mm-hmm. Um, and Sega, you know, the creator of Sonic, but Sega saw this shirt and was like, man, how long you been doing this? I'm telling him, man, I've been doing this since, you know, since college, you know, since I was at Laney. Been wearing a Sonic Head Talk shirt. I'm a big Sonic fan, you know, big video game guy. Um, and then from there, you know, I got to deal with Sega. And then from there, just just <laughs> exploded. So, so Sega sends me, or Sonic, Sonic sends me something, <laughs> care package. Sonic before himself. Every season. Before every season, he sends me a care package. I talk to, you know, we we text a lot. <laughs> uh, it's really, really, really cool and really, really interesting. You know, I got some shoes now from him. Got a bunch of bolo to shirts. Of all the names in his phone, that one, that one might be the most impressive. Yeah, that might be yeah. the most. Yeah. They say, who's your favorite person in the phone? Sonic the Hedgehog. So, yeah. So I tell people. You got to get those, like the custom. I'm sure you have, have worn the custom cleats. Custom have cleats. The, yeah. yeah, I have. You know, yeah. and, um, you know, I wish – you know, you wish the league would be just, just, just let us have a little more fun. You know, I, I see LeBron James wear, you know, green, green shoes. And he's playing for the Cavs. Just let us, you know, Camp came out with some sheriff cleats. Just let us yeah. play in our cleats, man. We're, yeah. we just trying to have fun and inspite, you know, fighting the game. But we'll see if the league changes that one the day. Fans love that stuff too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they, they enjoy it. You know, they enjoy it. But we'll see if the league changes that one day. But yeah, since that day, um, me and Sonic has took off. <laughs> it just, it seems so weird that they would like care what kind of shoes you wear. I mean, obviously, they want you to wear, what, Nike, right? Nike's the official sponsor of the NFL. You can keep the check on there. Yeah. Just, we just going to color around the check. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm an Under Armour guy, so I'll keep the UA on okay. there. Okay, we'll all right, there you go. We'll just color around the UA. <laughs> yeah. Is there – there's like a divide in the locker room, right, between UA and Nike? So, and there's UA, Nike, and I think Adidas, there's a couple right? of Adidas in there. Yeah. I mean, I know when I was in Denver, Bond was a big Adidas guy. Uh, now Emmanuel is. Um, me and DT were on UA, and everybody else was Nike. But now you got – one of the UA ambassadors and Cam and you know C Mac and and Luke and you know or Nike and TDs with Jordan so yep. 
it's a uh, it's a it's a little divided all over the place. I mean, there's you know, there's myself, there's Bird, there's Tory Smith, um, there's JB. Um, you know, there's a lot of us Under Armour guys in there. So, you know, Cleese is with with you forever. You know, of course, everybody pays a little different, but yeah. <laughs> Cleese is what makes you feel good. I was with Nike at one point. And, um, one thing, the only thing, you know, no disrespect to Nike, I love Nike, but the only thing I didn't like about Nike is you fall in love with a cleat and then they change it on you. You mm-hmm. can't get it back. They stop mm-hmm. making it. And it's like, come on. So, yeah. Under Armour cleats are highly comfortable. <laughs> and I have a question. Do you wear different cleats every game? Yeah. Right? So, okay. I remember, I didn't know if it, like, you had some special cleats. You like them get broken just, in a little bit more. I just, just the new ones I, you know, they, a uh, good thing about Under Armour cleats, you, you don't, you know, when you put them on, it feels good the first time. But, okay. you know, I didn't have to change, you know, uh, you know, um, well, under well, Nike, you know, you had to break in the cleats because sometimes that hurt my foot. My foot's a little wider. So Under Armour makes a wide plate cleat, and now I get a chance to, you know, I saw that from Adrian Peterson. Now I get a chance to wear fresh cleats every game. Hmm. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> yeah, try, to <laughs> just keep, try to keep traction as much as you can. Just to be clear, this podcast is not sponsored by Under Armour. It does kind of sound like it from this segment, sponsored by North Carolina. I got official, you, I got you. Official team doctors of the Carolina Panthers. <laughs> got to get that in there. Uh, CJ, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, we really, really had a great time. Uh, I'm really just telling your story. Um, anything that you want to talk about? Um, I know the Dreams Never Die Foundation. is. Uh, how can people kind of so donate can, to that? You can go, you know, dndfoundation22.org. Uh, you know, there's a donation button. You can donate. You know, our motto is we take a we take a penny up to 999 billion. So whatever you got, <laughs> whatever you got, we'll we'll definitely take it. Just know you're putting it towards a good cause, towards this facility that we're trying to build. Um, you know, we we have some events that uh, we're gonna have up there that you know, hopefully in a, in a couple hours I can I can narrow down on that. But we'll have some events we'll put on there. And then um, just want to throw this out there. Um, I'm probably not going to start promoting it till next week, but since I'm on this podcast today, for all fans who uh, who want to come meet me, and I'm going to try to get some of my teammates, um, I think it's on MLK and 4th, uh, Loft and Cellar. Um, I'm throwing like a little community brunch. Hmm. So if you want to, you know, of course, it's got to pay to eat. You know, of yeah. course, it's, it's, it's his restaurant. Got to <laughs> pay to eat. But I'll be there hosting, uh, hopefully, with a couple of my teammates on Saturday, um, the day before we play um, Cincinnati. So it'll be the 22nd. Um, the brunch is from 11 to 4. Of course, I won't be there long because be, my mind will be focused on Cincinnati. But I will take about an hour, two hours out of my day to just, you know, enjoy fans, you know, get people there. And then, um, you yeah, know. You'll be able to buy tickets off the foundation uh, site when it goes live? Or? Nah, so I, um, I kind of don't know. Uh, I know, you know, walk up at the door. It won't be tickets. It's just walk up at the door, okay. pay to get in and eat. And then it goes from there. Um, of course, we'll break down the money and see what goes from there. But yeah. Um, you know, just walk up, you know, Loft and Cellar right on 4th and MLK. And, um, you know, hopefully I can get uh, some of my other teammates, which I will not announce if I do get my teammates. I won't mm-hmm. announce. You sure. know, I like to protect them. So I won't announce who will be there. But I'll be there. You know, it's a chance for me to get into yeah. the to the Carolina market, get a chance to meet and meet some of these fans that I haven't got a chance to meet yet. And, That's you great. know, I'm a down-to-earth guy. You, got, you guys get a chance to get to know me. I get a good chance to get to know you. You know, right. I'll go. I'll be going around table to table, probably picking food off your plate. Um, <laughs> okay, other see, that <laughs> sounds like a negative. Maybe you don't want to tell people that. <laughs> other than that, other than that, but I'll be going around table to table, trying to talk to everybody personally, just give you a good fan experience. And um, you know, I got a lot of things in works for Carolina, so um, pay attention to socials. Um, I'll use the local media to push it out too, but sure. um, it'll be fun. And on on social, you you interact with people on social. Oh, all I see the time. you on Twitter all, all the time. The time. <laughs> I love it's, it. It's it's weird. I, I don't know. I, I feel like it's weird to see, like, fans be like, CJ, you're a jerk. And then you're like, I'm not a jerk. Like, it's just <laughs> you don't expect to see uh, an athlete like yourself responding to people well, like I, that. I, I like to I like to be involved. I like to have fun. Um, you know, some fans have fun. You know, I, I used to have this thing called uh, Troll Tuesday <laughs> when I was in Denver. You know, I used to tweet, all right. I got an hour full of trolls, which you guys have. <laughs> you know, you know, some people, some people think trolling is fun. And you know, hey CJ, why do you respond back to those trolls? Because they deserve, they deserve to know that, you know, what they're saying is so accurately wrong. You know, it, it feels good to correct them and let them know, and then it feels good to put them in their place. I don't disrespect them. You know, someone got mad at me the other day when I said I'm watching, I'm watching the game of Aaron Rodgers. I'm like, yeah. Best quarterback in the league. Hey, you play with Cam Newton. I didn't say Cam Newton was was weak. I didn't say Cam Newton sucks. You know, Cam Newton is extremely good and extremely special. But, you know, as everybody, we all have an opinion. And, you know, my fellow Golden Bear, 
is a pretty special guy. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I, it's just something that I told, you know, something that I said to that fan. And, you know, some people – I think some people do it to see if they will get a reaction. And believe me, there's a lot I don't react to more sure. than I do, of course. Right. But, you know, I, I try to have fun with fans every once in a while, Q&As and things of that nature, giveaways. So, you know, I try to be as active with my fans as much as I can because, you know, when I'm gone from this game, believe me, that's that's leaving me too, so – I understand. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Makes sense. So it's CJ Anderson B twenty two on Twitter. Make sure you let him know. Troll Tuesday. He wants to hear yeah, from man, you out hey. there. Got an hour. If uh, you're a big Mario guy, yep. if you're if you're a big Tails, a big Knuckles guy. Yeah, I got you. Whatever. Yeah, come after Whatever it. you want to talk about, we can talk about. Um, you know, of course I won't answer to everybody, but if I think it's it's it's, it's fun and to do, I'm definitely gonna go after it. But yeah, man, uh CJ Anderson B twenty two on Twitter, CJ Anderson R B nine on on Instagram, um, just pay attention to the socials. A lot of events for the foundation, a lot of different community events that I'm trying to put out here in, in, in Carolina during the football season. So um, it'll be fun. Yeah. Th CJ, thank you so much. Absolutely. That thank was you. awesome, man. Thank you. My yep. name is Josh Klein. You can follow me on Twitter at Josh Klein Rules. You can follow Zach on Twitter at Roaring Riot Z. Or if you just want to come to his house and knock on his door, he would really love to hear That's from you. That's my favorite. Yeah. Uh, thank you guys so much for joining us on It Is What It Is, and we will see you next time.